Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Look in my eyes, what do you see? It's the final bloody drafting week. I'm here, the goat David Campbell, back <laughs> with Mr. David Hockney. How are you? Oh, that was outstanding and very fitting, as given what's happened uh, this past week, specifically on AEW. Yeah, I think we'll. <laughs> We need to talk about it at some point because it could have draft implications. Like we all oh, the different shows we've got on ESR, Raw, so we'll be covering it in Central. But with the draft coming up, man, that's oh, a listen, game changer. Yeah, this this puts everything up for grabs in the next season. I can tell you that much. It's amazing. It's so so good. But listen, check out all the other content we've got here in the ESR. I've already told you about Central. He's got a new segment which involves me. So obviously I am now more invested than ever in that show. And um, we've got all the stuff on YouTube. We've got Quiz Showdown, uh, Can You Feel the Heat uh, coming out. Um, apparently that dreadful man, Andy Mitchell, is involved. So, you know, I'd probably advise not to watch it. However, I do shows on this network, so I can't afford to say that. Uh, we're going to, as always, get into the top three of the week. Unfortunately, no Drew McIntyre, so you don't get our Drew McIntyre segment this week. Um, oh well. But tied for third on seven points. It's Carrying Cross and Jay Uso. Now, Dave, I think this is a tale of two performers because they've got the same amount of points for the week, right? Mm -hmm. But you look at what they were expected to do in the season. You've got Carrying Cross, who was picked first um, for Ryan Douglas. Um, round one pick hasn't really performed how you'd want him to. And on the other side of the coin, you have Jay Uso who newly picked sort of singles competitor has overperformed is now uh, seventh ranked overall for the season you're looking at these two guys getting seven points here but like we say it's a tale of true two win, uh, two seasons for these two yeah you they couldn't be more apart when it comes to how well they've been but like booking wise they're worlds apart. You know, Karrion Cross has been used sparingly on NXT. He's only ever really been getting exposure on Raw. And even, even on his first night there, he was completely derailed from the start. Jey Uso, on the other hand, you know, he's built quite a repertoire over the past year as a singles competitor. And, he, you know, he's been picked multiple times in the past as a singles guy. And his association with Roman Reigns is what's keeping him up there, not just uh, his breakout performance as a single star, not only his tag yeah. team title wins with his returning brother, but all these little things... You know, they just make all the difference when it comes to racking up points. In the case of Karrion Cross, it's usually you're trying to save for a big win defending, you know, the NXT Championship, for example, and getting a big appearance. But mm -hmm. th this, I think this is the approach that works with somebody like Jey Uso. You know, someone who's going to make regular appearances might not score as many points every week, but cumulatively, it's an overall dominating performance. Yeah, 100%. You look at the most appearances for the season, uh, there's someone else we're going to talk about who tops that table, but Gio so is third uh, with the most uh, appearances for the season. He's got 50 appearances, only two behind his brother Jimmy. Um, so it's been, you know, the Usos, you've got to think, Dave, a bigger field next season. They're probably going to go as a tag team. 
Mm-hmm. They thought to expect, so it was good to see what they could do as singles competitors this season. But someone who hasn't let Stephen Wilson down, the number one overall singles draft pick on her own against the world, Bianca Belair scores nine points after two wins on SmackDown this week. Incredible stuff. 113 mm. points for the season. We've, we've saw that the top female draft picks in the last couple of seasons, some of them have been a bit lacklustre, but Bianca Belair, with this SmackDown um, title reign, has not let Wilson down. She has performed, and you've got to think, could get him some more points this Sunday. Yeah, she certainly could. Like Bianca is certainly one of those that's uh, sort of broken out as one of the best female selections uh, in the draft history, second only to probably Bailey yeah. uh, in the previous transfer season. But then again, she had a runaway amount of points given that she was holding two titles at one time and she had the captaincy applied. In this instance, you know, Stephen's actually taken the captaincy off Bianca Belair, which I think might have been a... Ha- well, in hindsight, this might have been a hasty decision for this week because he could have got 18 points with her given that you know, she had two matches. But then again, you know, having it on Jey Uso has still put him in the top three again. So it's, I suppose it sort of balances it out in in one way or another. But I do, I am a little bit worried going into SummerSlam now because normally the person who has the advantage coming out of the go-home the go home show before SummerSlam mm. is usually the one that ends up losing. But I'm not entirely sure if they're going to pull the trigger with a, with a title change, I think Bianca's got too much momentum behind her, and I think Sasha could easily bounce back if she wanted to, especially with assistance from Zelina Vega and Carmella. It's interesting because um, Bianca, right now in the all-time table for female picks, you're right, Bailey in season five is up there, 246 points. That's it's not going to be touched you know that's that's insane but she is also behind she's fourth overall all time Sasha Banks in that season for Gary got him 180 points however Bianca could go ahead of Asuka who was drafted in the third round that season and managed to get Ross 122 points you know so to break into that third spot of all time sort of female draft picks will be really good for Bel Air if she can do it this Sunday and you've got to think regardless of the outcome she's going to be really high in people's lists come I keep saying Sunday and I've just caught myself it's tonight (laughs) Yeah, it's because it's, it's, it's SummerSlam. Like you're just I'm so, I'm so first ever off. Saturday pay per view. Yeah, it's it's, it's I, feeling it's gonna be weird. Hope Ryan Gallagher doesn't listen to this because <laughs> that upset him off. Um, but number one for this week uh, on twelve points is the captain of Gary Kernan. It's Tony Schiavone. Two sort of questions to this one, Dave. Tony Schiavone with dark elevation being out of it. Do you see him as being a high commodity next season as we thought he might be? And number two. Tony has been the driving force for Gary. Do we think it's now too little, too late with the season ending at SummerSlam? Uh, well, to address the first question, with the the disappearance of Dark Elevation from the draft might not necessarily be a bad thing because it's going to be replaced by AEW Rampage and he's also going to be on the commentary team for that. Plus, he'll probably continue his role as an interviewer. So I don't think uh, the change in what we include is going to affect anybody's... Uh, choices if they want to choose Tony Schiavone for their team and he's proven to be a bit of a sleeper pick you know for somebody that's not an active competitor he's second overall overtaking Bianca Belair by one point so there's definitely points to be had uh, for somebody like him Uh, the second question I think well obviously because the draft ends tonight at SummerSlam there's zero well maybe 99% chance that he's not going to turn up Mm -hmm. so I think 
Gary's just about accumulated as many points as he can from Tony Schiavone. Not that it's uh, went to waste, though. I mean, look how much he's got. 114 points, second overall, yeah. 32nd pick overall as well, which is a... Uh, it's, it's huge. It's, barn, it's barnstorming to think that somebody drafted that low down is scoring second overall. So, and I think he's going to be in a lot of people's, a lot of people's uh, top picks when it comes to next season. We talked about it at the start of this season, the trend of non-wrestlers and whether it would continue next season or whether it would go away. And my thought on it is the same with everything: the ones that work will stay, the ones that don't will go. And for mm. me. Tony Schiavone, Adam Pearce and Sonia Deville will be in consideration for a lot of people, especially maybe around, around this, with this big a draft, some of them in round one, potentially again, don't, let's not forget, I picked Adam Pearce round one drafting from last this season, he's managed to be eighth overall, you know what I mean, so that's a yep. success, you know, that's that's overperforming for that pick, so yeah. I, I don't think the non-wrestler trend will go away, I do think that will either see it die out in the earlier rounds to focus on these sort of bigger uh, performers in that ilk. However, when we get down to the lower rounds with so many people competing this time, we're going to see some folks come up, Dave, because I don't think people want to take the chance on zero appearances or zero points for a season, if you get me. Yeah, no, I get you. I think in that instance, you'd probably have to dig into AEW's massive roster, you know, talent that will probably be featured on Rampage and yeah. as well as Dynamite. Like, and you, you know that Rampage, you know, that's that's still like about two to three hours worth of matches over a wide range of talent. And I, I think we said in the chat this week, you know, you're getting about six hours worth of content from AEW on, in a week. Mm. So it's it's just as much as WWE's producing and it's a much wider roster. So I yeah. I hopefully they don't have to dig into the, the non-wrestler pool, you know, no. with that with that much talent available. We'll see. See how it ends up. But let's look at the overall table. Uh, Sarah... Uh, Christian Cage's instant classics dra <laughs> terrible transfer window 158 points, she will stay bottom I think uh, for the end of the season Sarah, there's always season 10 uh, Scott McLeod 181.5 points uh, in ninth place, um, then we could go to Team Goat in 8th place and Ross McLeod is on 206 points, 2 points ahead of me in 7th, the battle for 7th takes place at SummerSlam tonight, Dave. And I really, really want to beat Ross McLeod and his stupid team name that I always stumble over. So I'm not even going to try <laughs> yeah. and say it in the last so, week of the season. If I could indulge you for this one, just to sort of put your mind at ease. Uh, yeah. Ross and Alan Laurie Loyal has got two opportunities to get some points because he has Charlotte Flair and he has Edge. Edge is facing Seth God. Rollins, of course. So Edge could potentially win that. Charlotte Flair also could win the Raw Women's Flair. Championship. Yep, in the triple threat. Mm -hmm. Will she win, though? I'm not entirely sure. I'm more convinced of an edge win over Seth Rollins at this yeah. stage. Whereas you, on the other hand, unfortunately, you've only got uh, Piper Niven appearing in a managerial prospect when Alexa Bliss faces Eva Marie. So uh, but you, you, but you could, <laughs> but, but you've also got potential appearance points from Adam Pearce, Sonya Deville, and maybe even Big E at a push if he decides to cash in. That would be your... Oh. Saving grace. Here's my thought. I think I could get mega points from Big E tonight because I think there's going to be a story of him chasing Corbin mm -hmm. throughout the night with the briefcase, and he's my captain. So that's like that's four. True. That's four points every time Big E shows up tonight. So it's like, see if there's like five segments with Big E chasing Corbin, 
that's 20 points for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just so, remember, like, one, point, one point for an appearance double for its captain, so a two point no, per no, appearance. Two, two for a pay-per-view. No, it's oh, two course, for a pay-per-view yeah, appearance, yeah. so it's four points. Yeah, so mind is the pay-per-view. So yeah. that's how... That's how um, and you would say... The um, that's what's her name? Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax managed to get me so many points one pay per view because they won and then appeared like five times. I was like, I'm in the money here. It was yeah, well, so close. They won. Um, Goldberg beats Lashley and then Big E decides to cash in. He'll get his dream match of big meaty men slapping meat. Hundred percent. We'll see how that works out. Uh, Ryan Douglas is sick. Two hundred twenty-six point five points. Uh, fifth place. Uh, Ryan Gallagher with uh, Northmen Southmen Comrades all on two hundred forty-nine points. Then we go to the West End Country Club. David Hockney two hundred sixty-six. You're probably going to stay in fourth, Dave. But a, a good, a good season. So season. I'll accept it. Yeah, it's been a very mixed yeah. season, but I'll um, I'll I'll take fourth. Yeah, hundred percent. It's only one position down for where you drafted, so not great, but not disastrous. Average, one of your average season, I'd say for you. Um, Stephen Wilson, top one percent, two hundred ninety-six points. Again, probably going to stay further. I think not the worst season for Stephen. Then we go to the top two: Gary Kernahan, Team Vista, three hundred fifteen point five points. Jack Graham, relegated, liquidated, still the same fantasy team, three hundred thirty-four points. Dave, it's out. There's there's two stories here. One. Jack Graham from the off takes the chance with the Drew McIntyre and Young Buck slipping to him. He does what he needs to do. He calls it the most dominating season in transfer history, in draft history rather. That's great. Gaddy Kernahan, this will be his fourth time in the last five seasons finishing second if that happens. That's got to sting. Always the bridesmaid. Oh, God, man. That's horrible. But anyway... I think Jack's going to take it tonight, a worthy victory, two-time mm-hmm. draft winner, and that's probably what's going to happen. So, Dave, we have a couple of wee things we want to get into um, at the end here, but it's time for you to rectify my mistakes. <laughs> it's time for you to to throw the dogs several bones, as it were, you yep. know, and let them hear their names read out as you give some joy to the losers of the Listeners League. Take it away, Dave. Yep, so for the last time this season, and you'll be glad to hear that, we have a battle for third place between three of our most consistent competitors all season. Adam Callier, P45, on 326 points. Just two and a half points ahead of him is Thomas Fraser with Here Comes the Money, 328 and a half. Jonathan Swift, Swifty Tombstones, Lee on 333. Now, these guys are going to be battling for the bronze here, and I've just been looking over their teams, and it looks like we're going to get some very mixed results when it comes to SummerSlam because Adam Callier only has Alexa Bliss uh, competing at SummerSlam. The rest of his team is either NXT, AW, and he has he also has Kevin Owens, but Kevin Owens is obviously not scheduled to appear. So that might... A win for Alexa Bliss would take him ahead over Thomas Fraser, but uh, looking at Thomas Fraser's end, he also has Alexa Bliss. So if anything, that will just cancel it out. Plus, he also has Rhea Ripley. Uh, competing in the Raw Women's title match. So I think uh, Thomas Fraser might just finish ahead of Adam in this instance, whereas Jonathan Swift, on the other hand, uh, he has Bianca Belair as his team captain. So a win for her would definitely put him in contention for a solid third-place finish, maybe even a second place uh, if the rest of his team pulls through because he's got Alexa Bliss, he has Damian Priest in the United States title match, and he has Randy Orton in the Raw tag team title match. So this could be a big scoring SummerSlam for Jonathan Swift, possibly enough to finish in second place. Maybe to try and reach first is a bit of a stretch, but going into the the battle for 
the, the listeners' league crown. We have Ross Brady, the talented Mrs. Ripley, 345 and a half, and 12 and a half points ahead is JP with shirts and balls out. Two guys that have been going back and forth all season long. Ross Brady th- looked like he had it in the bag, but now JP's come out of nowhere and has kept that lead for a very long time. And this is where it gets interesting, Goat, because these two guys' teams are very much identical going into SummerSlam, but with a few key differences. For example, they both have Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. So Mm. they could get big wins each for the Raw Tag Team Championships. JP has Charlotte Flair, which means that if she wins the Raw Women's title, he gets an additional set of points. The New Day might also make an appearance, his tag team. But here's where it gets interesting. Ross Brady is currently in second place. Matt Riddle and Randy Orton, he has both of them too. He has Rhea Ripley. So if she Mm. wins that, that could bump him up. But here's the X factor. Matt Riddle is Ross Brady's team captain. So a win for Matt Riddle and Randy Orton could potentially bump him into second place, assuming, or sorry, into first place, assuming Rhea Ripley also wins the Raw Women's title. So, but given that their teams are so similar and the results go the same way, I think that puts JP at an advantage with the 13-point gap. Because even with the captaincy on Matt Riddle, Ross Brady is going to have a major stretch to try and catch JP at this point. So I think we'll do the CNN presidential election projection announcement here. And we say that JP is predicted to win the Season 9 ESSR Listeners League. It's tough on 13 points, isn't it? Because... When you think about it, if Riddle and Orton make appearances throughout the night and win, it's good points for JP, don't get me wrong, but it's it's double the amount, essentially, for mm-hmm. uh, for Ross Brady. So that could make up, the, that comes down to the Raw Women's title match for the last sort of thing. Right. So, very interesting stuff. And not often I say that about the, uh, the listeners league, Dave, but it is very interesting stuff uh, when you broke that down that final two there. It yeah. was like, you know, have you seen Derry Girls? Uh, Derry Girls uh, I've the, heard of it sitcom. Right, this is like the moment Uncle Calm who's like the most boring guy in the show like, like no one listens to him but this is the moment like the nun sits down and actually listens to his story and finds it's actually <laughs> quite funny this was me today like, yeah. one time I was listening to listeners link for that for that top two I was Aye. like that's actually quite tight. That's but actually I think, quite tense. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this though. Keep your eye on Jonathan Swift because this could be a big scoring night for him. Might not be enough for him to win, but I would like to see him try and finish in second place. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good for Jonathan Swift. Good for the listeners' league. But we need to get into Dave. Last week we announced Alan. We announced Daniel. We announced Strachan. We announced Sarah as coming back to the draft. Briefly, out of those four, which one of those names scares you the most about his returning as a competitor? Uh, probably Grant actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Grant's, you know, Grant's good. Yeah, you know, I think Grant uh his debut season. You know, you went against him in the the relegation season. You managed to survive that, but he came back strong. You know, I think he finished. Uh, was it third or fourth overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I didn't. Yeah. The thing is, Dave, I didn't say Grant there. Grant was one of the ones we're announcing today. But we can officially confirm Grant McRoy is back in the draft. <laughs> he is. He is returning to the draft this season. So, Dave, you're that scared of Grant? The yes. naming him off the, early off the bat, and he he does worry you, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, because given that you know he hasn't competed that often, but yeah, he's already had a very strong. Uh, Strong performance straight away. So, 
definitely the, the the unknown factor is what scares me the most about him. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think this is the thing with Grant that he played in four seasons and he sort of grew throughout his entire run in the draft. You know what I mean? Like and you, know, look he, at, you look at the he, story of Grant. You know, if he went finished tenth, he finished sixth, he finished fourth, he finished first. You know, it's like it's, it's like he, he went. No, sorry, that was his drafting position. Oh, what am I doing here? Jesus Christ, Dave! <laughs> oh, look, you look. It's me watching now. You know, you look at the story of Grant, and he did have a progression. Like you talked about it, his last season with the tag season, where he finished in second place. Mm-hmm. You know what yep. I mean? Like he's he's a very good competitor. And the thing about Grant that should worry people is that in a season where you've talked about where we need to get into the depths of AEW, Grant knows AEW. Grant knows who's going to be competing in Rampage. Grant knows who might pop up while you win. Grant knows who's been sneakily good in the rankings. So a season like this could be suited to him. You know, that, that could be a key thing. But there's another few names we want to announce as returning. Um, the Listeners League winner obviously will be coming up. Dave's discussed that. We don't know who that's going to be out of JP and Ross Brady. However, we do have another two names who will be coming back connected to the Listeners League and they are the only other two Listeners League winners Ryan Dugleish after his performance this season will be returning, invited back for this special 10th season of the draft and Dave the other name returning the other name coming back is none other than Robert Fucking Shaw. Yep. Robert fucking Shaw returns to the draft. What what do you make of the news that Ryan Douglas and Robert fucking Shaw are coming back? Well, I'm not I'm not too scared about Ryan Douglas, you know, given he's sort of stuck in the sort of middle of the table, uh, given his performance this season. But Robert Shaw is gonna be an interesting one because the only main league season that he's taken part in is when he it was the tag team season and he part and he was partnered with me. And with my knowledge, my analysis, my guidance, I I got us a, a solid third place finish. And now that I've um, been able to share some more sort of knowledge, not just across WWE, but AEW as well, mm-hmm. I think if he picks up the tools of the trade, he has a potential to maybe try and surprise everybody. But here's the kicker about Robert Shaw. I had to help him out in making AEW selections. So mm. the lesson he has to take forward is... Uh, did he take on board what I say and did he pick up, you know, who are the key players in AEW? Because that's mm-hmm. going to make the difference whether or not he has a good or a bad season. Will the, ma- will the apprentice become the master? It's, in- it's interesting. Dave, without looking at the table here, this is an interesting one. Who do you think has the best average point score in draft history out of all the competitors? Mm, well, I think, well, as you said before, Gary's come second quite a few times, so I'm going to say him. It's not Gary. It's not. It is the returning Grant McRobbie. He has the best average ah. point score in the history of the draft. That is a big stat right there. Another reason to be uh, scared of him coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's another reason to be scared of him, man. I'm but then again, there and I'm like, he's, not, he's, he's not got many as many seasons to get an average score on where, for example, you know, guys like you and me, we've competed in pretty much every season thus far, whereas he has only competed true. in a handful. That is so, true, but he also played in four seasons, so he did get. It's not as if like there's a there's a season differential, if you get what I mean, because he competed no, I get in all four like segments of the year, you know. Uh, so it's actually it's quite a good you know um, sample size there. Uh, but ideally, you know, if I've got my maths brain on here, 
if you're doing that sort of comparison, I'd say you'd best have to work with the median score mm-hmm. in this instance. But even with the median score, Grant still is the highest uh, scorer. Yeah, it's mental. Like we actually, we actually have a look at it. Like it is, it's crazy what he's managed to do um, in his four seasons of the draft. And I think that when we talk about Gary, is obviously in my mind the best competitor to never win um, in the draft's history. Grant McRobbie is up there. Grant McRobbie is in that conversation. He is in that hunt. If you just look at the stats alone, so it'll be interesting to see Grant coming back. But Dave, before we go, CM Punk returns last night at AEW Rampage. Yep. I'm asking you to put a number on this. He is reportedly signed to 10 to 12 matches a year. He makes Mm -hmm. his debut against Darby Allen at the next pay-per-view. What round of the draft does CM Punk go in come next week? I can say with this I can say this with the most confidence that I've had in this entire season he will go in the first round wow first round for punk yep given that the number of given that the number of competitors there are someone has got to choose him do you not think though and maybe this is me revealing too much because I'm personally scared of taking him that high up just because he's only signed to 10 to 12 matches a year do we have faith that Punk comes out in an on-screen capacity enough to get those appearances. Like, we've seen Edge being drafted as high as that. Mm-hmm. And Edge isn't a good first-round pick because he competes probably that, that same level with a bit less. And you don't get that much just from the appearances alone. So you've said first round, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. The follow-up question would be, is it a good move to take Punk in the first round? Honestly, I think it is. Because if you look at the pop that he received in AEW Rampage, that is single-handedly the loudest pop I've ever heard in my entire life across any promotions. Even Mm. louder than when Triple H returned at Madison Square Garden. Louder than when CM Punk himself made his entrance at Money in the Bank 2011. Even more so than when John Cena returned at Money in the Bank this year. CM Punk is money this coming season. He's going to be featured on AEW more times than I think any superstar has been because he equals ratings, he equals merch. Like you, did you see the video on Twitter with yeah. the merch stand? It was about a mile long. It was yeah. everybody is going to be cheering for him. Everybody's going to want to see him. And he's been away from the wrestling scene for that long that people are going to want to make up for lost time. He'll get the appearances in. He's got matches lined up. And if somebody puts picks him in round one, maybe even puts the captaincy on him, I think we could be in for a very, very interesting season. Not only does CM Punk return to wrestling, CM Punk will make his debut in the draft next season. And that is exciting. No matter which way you put it. That's not a prediction. That's not a spoiler. That is undisputed. Oh, Jesus. 
they're, they're dead, Dave. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for listening to Saturday Draft Live. The next thing you see is will be the draft show. Um, Jack Graham will be in the hosting chair trying to wrangle the action. Uh, Dave, you and Scott are on punditry duty that mm. night, and I will be handling the review of the picks. The competitors will be sending in their picks to myself, um, and I get to I get to see them first, Dave, and I get to read them out. So I think when you see my reaction, you know I'll I'll be giving away my thoughts because I won't be able to help it. If someone makes a bad pick, I'll be sort of groaning like looking at the screen in disbelief. If someone makes a great pick, I'll probably swear because I'll. I'll on it the next time that <laughs> comes along so it's going to be a fun time day we're looking forward to draft night i listen draft night's always a great laugh and having you on uh draft selection due to your reactions alone you know will be enough to make it entertaining well listen dave neon lights nobel prize shut the fuck up you're all fat pies we will see you <laughs> at draft night <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on each suplex retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the East Meets Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.